You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. It's a special Tuesday edition of The Huddle because these two need to get on a plane to Munich along with the rest of the team as the Seahawks prepare to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for an international showcase. This one is a very, very early game. Now, we're going to look ahead at this game at 12.15 uh, when we talk a bit more about the Bucks. but given that there was a game that just happened, let's look back at the Seahawks win over the Arizona Cardinals. How about that, Dave? Sweeping an NFC West foe in a single season. Yeah, and, you know, I think for the second time, people are still kind of like, yeah, that Arizona team's pretty dysfunctional. You know, I remember talking to Wolfley, their color guy, when they came up here, and he's like, they're just totally disjointed. They didn't have a kicker at that point. Yeah. So, and then kind of saw the same thing, but I think also the Seahawks went a long way to making them look dysfunctional because <laughs> they had a really, really good game. They had a good plan. I love what they're doing offensively. Defensively, they're, I think, two things are sustainable. One is Geno's play. And the reason why is because I think what makes him so good this year is his decision-making. I don't think he's just all of a sudden going to lose his mind. I mean, he's making great decisions, great. Uh, I'll tuck the ball and run. You know, he had the, you know, he's had had the one pick six there. I just think that was really rare that you're mm-hmm. going to see that kind of thing. I think he just didn't see him. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I feel like that. And then stopping the run. I just think that's going to be, that's going to be here to stay. I, I think it's, they've figured it out. And, uh, yeah, I, I like this team right now, man. Six and three. I know. Now, all of a sudden, you look at Tampa and go, I think they better not run the ball on us. Well, they shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, they've only averaged 60 yards They're a terrible. game, 32nd uh, run defense in football. But um, speaking of the Cardinals bump, it sure was great to see Geno Smith not throw the pick six, but bounce back after the pick six and not just win a game. They really dominated the second half. Yeah, that was the moment I was waiting for. I go, there's going to be a moment where things aren't all beautiful for Gino, and maybe he makes a, the wrong decision and he has to climb himself out of a hole, and that's exactly what he did. After that pick, they went 13 plays, 75 yards, boom, touchdown. Then the defense steps in. They make him go six plays, boom, put it on the foot. Then they get the football again, 13 plays, 81 yards, touchdown, bam. Like It did not phase him. Mm-hmm. I looked at him on the sideline. Obviously, you got some disappointment on your face. You're not sitting there smiling and giggling after you throw a pick six. But I saw the grit, you know, when you when you, when you grind your teeth. Like, I literally saw him grind his teeth and be like, all right, man, it's time to go. It's time to get it. So um, that was a moment that I was waiting to see um, because we all know we, if you play this game long enough, you, in one game, you're going to do something wrong. You're going to have a blown assignment, a poor decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you respond from it? And this team, not only Gino, but the defense responded to it, said, hey, Gino, don't trip. We yeah. got your back. Yeah, that's back-to-back weeks, by the way, of limiting Saquon Barkley on the ground, now limiting D-Hop on the ground. This defense has performed better more often than they've performed poorly. And there was a while where I was hesitant to buy in, but, Dave, it seems like they really, really turned things around and tapped into something. Yeah, it's funny. We heard uh, we had a clip yesterday of uh, Quandre Diggs, and he was talking about you know all the things that they're not doing. And I think the players have been very general about it, and they're not really saying anything specific. I'm pretty sure Clint Hurt has them briefed. To, like, <laughs> not say what they yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, because we, we've had actually, uh, we talked to Puna one time. This was last year, but he's like, well, we asked him a pretty basic question. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm not trying to give anything away here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, but like we like know that they're secret. doing little things. Like they, they've yeah. talked about changing the way that they approach takeaways, right? Like fo- focus on getting the tackle and then other things. Like So they've talked about little things they've changed, like, oh, we're being more aggressive. But then we, it 
well, then we're left to fill in the blanks. Yeah, but the the scheme thing, I think finally Quandre said he goes, yeah, we're not doing we're not two gapping anymore, yeah. mm. which means you're reading the block instead of you know I'm taking this side of the block, you know, and so I'm sticking with my answer, even though uh, I'm not in the meeting room that <laughs> everybody knows where their gap is before the, the ball snaps. Gap yeah. integrity. Didn't that make your life easier as a linebacker? Oh, like, totally. <laughs> and I'm not reading and I'm not waiting. I mean, that's exactly what we were seeing. Like Cody, remember there was a one time where he, he goes up and he just arbitrarily hits the guard mm. and the running back's like right there. It was like in his mind he was trying to check things off, but the timing was off. So now you're seeing uh, them attack the line of scrimmage and, you know, that's, that's just easier. It's funny. We went, We had a defense like that when I was playing in 88 I got benched because I played it wrong because, you know, the nose guard was supposed to play the backside of the flow and I was supposed to be on the front side. It got screwed up. They benched me. Then they went and looked at the film and they said, you got your job back. We're ditching the defense. <laughs> and I was like, I thought I was going to Canada, oh. uh, the, uh, the Canadian football league. But um, I've been there. It's kind of a bad place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's kind of what it was. That's making it very simple. But I do think that that everybody is uh, knows knows where their gap is, and then you know you got these big strong dudes, Cody and and especially Jordan. Yeah, that guy is a load, man. He will hit you, and he can take on guards, and yeah, he's really really physical. So yeah, it suits them. Someone texted in earlier saying that Jordan Brooks not getting enough credit, which I believe, right? Because he's you're not hearing uh, people talk about him a ton. Yeah. But what do you think about that? Well, he's making lots of tackles. But he's not making plays like, uh, you know, that's the thing about the Arizona linebackers. Mm -hmm. Like those guys aren't the most sound linebackers. They just make lots of plays. Yeah. I mean, you see Zayvon Collins pick off the, the pass. But then I saw like three plays later where he's turned around talking to somebody and the ball snaps. <laughs> and then I think it was Phil Haynes. Somebody came out and just buried him, you know, just like jumped on top of him and knocked him down. And you know, I was like, what are you doing, man? I, so I don't I don't think they're real disciplined good linebackers but those guys make plays that um isaiah williams is that it the simmons that looks, looks like a safety simmons simmons mm -hmm. sorry yeah yeah i mean he is uh, he we, isaiah williams is our guy back at the station that's where I got that. <laughs> um, but uh yeah i mean he's he's making interceptions and you know picking up fumbles and all that kind of stuff i think he he scored a couple touchdowns that stuff is coming for jordan i think um and he just hasn't gotten to, to make the point where he's making plays. Like, he doesn't mm -hmm. have a lot of sacks and fumble recoveries and forced fumbles, but I think that that's going to start to come for him because he is playing very solid, and he's got tons of tackles. Well, some players who have been going against opponents' linebackers are obviously the tight ends. Noah Fant, just shy of 100 yards in this one, finally had a breakout game, but the tight ends this year, Bump, have been absolutely phenomenal. They've tapped into ways to utilize them, and no one guy is like a fantasy football dream, but maybe that's a good thing. I wish Uncle Will was. I picked him up. Well, well she bump. was a fantasy football dream. We can't but, all get what we want. <laughs> but, but, no, I, I appreciate them, man. They're the catalyst, man. They're the glue. They're the one position that is instrumental in the run game as well as the pass game. You know, they can, they can block. Uh, we've even seen them on a little shovel pass. Uh, they get down the field. They're great in the boot game. Uh, the deception is there. And like I mentioned earlier, man, that 13 personnel – Nobody runs that 13 personnel like these Seahawks, man. And it's because those Titans are capable of doing everything. Like, we used to think of Uncle Will Disley as the utility guy. And then Noah Fant, we thought he was going to be just the explosive guy in the past game. Then Kobe Parkinson was supposed to be the red zone target. Nah, all three of those guys can do whatever Shane Waldron asked them to do, whether that, that be blocking, whether that be a shovel pass. We've seen 
two guys get shovel pass. Now it was Uncle Will Disley, and then I think Colby got one. Or they, one of the other Titans got a shovel pass as well. Like, we've seen them do everything. So uh, they're the thing that keeps this offense rolling. Bump, if it helps you, I told someone to take Jonathan Taylor with their first pick. So. And that was excellent advice. It was. It yes, was at the time. Guys, I think the coolest thing you can say about the Seahawks team right now is that outside of everything individually that they're doing, we can heap praise on the wide receivers, praise on Shane Waldron, praise on Geno, praise on the defense for their turnaround, and Clint Hurt for turning around that defense. The team itself now looks like a real contender in the NFC, a weakened NFC, but they're still playing really good football, Dave. Yeah, they are. And I, I just think now I start to look at their at their schedule and go, right. who can't they beat? Right. You know, so right. Yeah, it's a tough one going on, on the road, Kansas City. Um, you know, the Jets picked off the Bills, so maybe maybe they're a good team. I always think San Francisco has the mm-hmm. best. Play some tough. The best uh, personnel. Yep. And by the way, the guy picking that personnel, uh, John Lynch, kind of a similar hiring to what you guys were talking about with Jeff Saturday. Mm. Remember, John Lynch was in the TV booth. True. You know, and so he, he came in. He didn't really have anything to do. So I just, I, I'm not saying that Jeff Saturday is going to be phenomenal, like, you know, uh, John Lynch's, but it's it's kind of a similar move. It just reminded me of that. But, um, yeah, the Niners, they have a very good roster. Uh, you know, the Rams probably are going to give them trouble. But I don't know, man. I, I feel like they can beat anybody. It would be a huge upset if you went on the road and beat Kansas City on Christmas Eve. But, you know. Hey, look, I, I think the, the rest of them, I think we can, you can handle, you can play with pretty much everybody. All right. So I know Aaron Boone was in the booth and went to manage the Yankees. That's uh, a good point. That's yeah. another one. Yeah. Go. I am very curious to watch. I mean, I'm tuning in to watch the Colts now to oh, just yeah, see what happens. Sure. How for can sure. you not? Um, all right. We did looking back. Uh, Wyman, I liked you transitioning to look ahead to the schedule because we're going to look ahead to one game in particular. Go figure. It's this game happening in Munich this Sunday. What is in store for the Seahawks against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? That's next on the huddle. You are listening to a special uh, edition, early edition of the huddle. Uh, a little earlier in the week this time, but these two got to get on a plane to Munich because the Seahawks are traveling to Germany to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers technically hosting, though both teams obviously on the road. And right now we're favored. I'd expect that to change, though, since I think these are two pretty evenly matched teams. And I actually favor the Seahawks here. And that's in no small part thanks to the improvement their defense has made. Dave, I'll start with you. Tariq Wolin in the defense did a great job not just shutting down Saquon Barkley last last week against the Giants, but this past weekend, shutting down Hopkins. Uh, and now Tariq Wollin in the defense and for another challenge against Mike Evans. Yeah, well, and I, I thought going into that, we didn't talk enough coming out of it that there was four catches and 36 yards for yeah. D-Hop. He was supposed to be the savior. He was going to, you know, entirely. They didn't have him last time and, you know, all that. And, yeah, he uh, he handled it just fine. Actually, I did a football one-on-one thing. I'm not sure if it's up yet, but I did a thing where the one where he knocked it down. And it was really, it was kind of interesting because, first of all, Hopkins runs a really crappy route. It's, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't square it off. It's just kind of a, he rounds it off, yeah. just a little in route. But then, you know, uh, Woolen drives on it, and then he puts one hand in the, in the back, you know, just barely touching, and then reaches with the long arm, because if you reach with the front arm, it's not, as, it's not as long, and knocks the ball down. But then when he knocks it down, he realizes, I could have had a pick there. That. He yeah. could have got both hands probably in, in front of him. And I, I thought it was – and he puts his hands on his head like, oh, man. But he I knows. Mean, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I just – I love that because, you know, that's just something he's going to put in his back pocket yeah. you know, for next time. 
you know, and maybe it'll be against Mike Evans, but he had him covered so tight, and the way he closed the ground uh, when he drove on that route was just incredible. And, you know, you've, you've seen him, some of those those runs. There, there was a, remember the long run that uh, that the Detroit Lions had where it was Hawkinson that got like loose? Like 81 yards or something. Yeah, and watching him fly past everybody, I don't think he ends up, he ends up getting there late or something, but, I mean, he was just killing everybody i mean he's got so much speed so yeah that was uh that was good to see and then yeah and then you saw kobe bryant matching up with uh more the little scat back receiver yeah and uh yeah they're 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 passing tests right and left and they're gonna have another one against the number five passing offense i know that the offense as a whole for tampa bay hasn't been great but tom brady is still making the most of his guys like mike evans one of the best receivers in the league Tariq Wollin, not the only defensive standout for this team uchenna nuosu leading this team in sacks so far bump he's also had a stellar season Seven sacks this year. He had, what, five and a half or five with the Los Angeles Chargers last year. That's in 17 games. Now, he was playing like a backup role. Yeah. And you hear Pete Carroll say he didn't see in Uchenna last year what he's seen in him this year. Interesting. And I think that's simply because he has a bigger role in his defense this year. And Pete Carroll has allowed him to roll the dice and take more chances. And I see a guy who's just relentless, man. Uh, he has multiple moves off the line of scrimmage. He'll try to go through you. He'll try to go around you. He has good feet. He has good hands. I mean, he's quick. And he is the emotional leader of this team. That doesn't mean like he's gathering the guys around and doing a Ray Lewis speech before a game or at halftime or nothing. But the way he plays, the way he celebrates, the way he, he celebrates when his teammates, when they make a play, um, it's contagious, man. And, you know, it's it's a nice combination because Jordan Brooks, he gets hyped, too, but he's more of that just Very low mellow, key. you know what I'm saying, I'm going to do my job, get back in the huddle. You need somebody who's going to talk a little talk, you know what I mean? And that's Chenna. And I'm also seeing, I don't know if you've seen it, too, Dave, uh, Tariq Woolen is out there chirping a little bit, too, now, man. I think he's starting to believe in himself and who he is. I think that's just what we're seeing. They've talked about the defense knowing their job and just shooting gaps now and not trying to anticipate and guess what's going on. When you're allowed to play football free and you're not thinking, you're just out there playing ball, it's fun, it's exciting, and you make more plays. All right, guys, let's talk about some of the challenges with Tampa Bay because, yes, they're not off to the start they wanted. But last week against the Rams, thank you, Tampa Bay, for beating the Rams and helping solidify the Seahawks' lead in the NFC West. But unfortunately, Tom Brady takes over 44 seconds left, gets a touchdown. Shout out Kate Otten uh, for getting that one with uh, just a few seconds left on the clock. You can never count them out no matter how much they've struggled this year. Um, I mean, when uh, when either of you, uh, Dave, when you look at this team, uh, do you see, you know, a team that's really struggling, a team that's had bad luck? Has Tom Brady been the problem? Is it the line? I mean, what are some of the issues with Tampa and why are they still dangerous? Yeah, I think there is some issues with their, their line just because they can't run the ball, man. They're, they're, it's really bad. There's been a, a couple of games. There was one game against Kansas City where they rushed for six yards. No, I'm sorry. They ran for three yards, six runs. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like my bad 60 <laughs> for three yards. Yeah. So and but Brady's thrown it 52 times. Yeah. I have Oof. to say there's been I think this will be the third time I've seen Brady in in person. And and the first time was in 2012. And I remember watching him through my binoculars, just thinking, oh, my God, did they blow the play dead? Because he just is so confident and mm -hmm. so poised in the pocket and you know and then you know obviously Super Bowl 49 that wasn't too fun but um but yeah he's just he, I'm really curious to watch him and just see where he's at as far as you know they talk about maybe he's you know his skills are declining a little bit but um 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a good team. You look at and uh, I actually have a T-shirt with one of their linebackers on it, uh, Devin White, who's one of my favorites. Is that just part of like this linebacker club you guys are all in? Yeah, like it's Mar- a support group. I, I'm just like his. <laughs> no, I'm just in his fan club basically. I'm not in any kind of a group. Yeah, with, right now with, vice president, but fingers crossed you yeah, make it to president next but year. But Levante David and and Devin White are producing. Man, they're making tons of. The guys have 130 tackles. I think eight passes knocked down. They got four uh, sacks. I mean, they're just all over the field. Their linebacker group is really good. They got Shaq Barrett. So when the defense gets going, they can still be really good. Yeah, they've got some great personnel. <laughs> yeah, right. Vita Vea. Yep. So yeah, I mean, this is a this is a dangerous team, and that's the way it is every week, right? You you go and look at and go, okay, baller, baller, baller. There's like yeah. you know, it's it's ridiculous the talent there, but they're just not. They're not playing uh, together, and they're not able to run the ball right now. Bump, I loved this earlier. You were looking at some people talking about the Bucks. They were not pleased. Oh no, <laughs> Dave! You should have heard the way these guys are talking <laughs> about the Bucks. Horrible. I, I went up and, and looked up some tweets. I'm trying to say, all right, let's see what the the people are saying about the Bucks. It took me ten minutes to find a good tweet about the Bucks. Like people are concerned. It's almost like they think they're the Patriots now, and you're just supposed to win because you have Tom Brady. They don't mm-hmm. realize the offensive line is jacked up, and you're still playing. Good offense, and you talk about this defense, man. They're ranked number nine overall. They're fifth against the pass. They're mm-hmm. fifth with points allowed. Their weakness, if there is one, <clears throat> is against the run. So, like most games, I expect the Seahawks to come out and try to run the football and establish that. But you Bucks fans, man, you guys are ungrateful right now. Tough it was, crowd. It was a tough crowd, man. It was tough. I got to do some more research and find some well, good tweets. This is also coming from Seahawks fans who are in for a treat of a season and are like, I can't relate. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the criticism would be there yeah. if this was a down year, for but, sure. uh, but there's something about entering a season with no expectations and then being blown away and so excited about what's happening. Right. We thought now Pete Carroll didn't, but we thought like, is this going to be a rebuild? Are they going to have all these young guys? Yeah. That they've got to, you know, um, you know, have their own obstacles to overcome. And instead, this is a team that looks really good, legitimately good. The Buccaneers entered with expectations, and the rest of the division's awful, and the powerhouses at the top of the NFC look bad. The Packers, who on that team is really performing really well, except for Aaron Jones, and you can say the same with Tampa Bay. Tom Brady is playing well, Mike Evans is playing well, but they've underperformed to expectation. Yeah, the Bucs came in thinking, we're going to make another run at the Super yeah. Bowl. And I want to say it was like the first couple of days at camp, you lose a lineman. And then like a week mm-hmm. later, you Their lose center. another lineman. Yep. And Leonard Fournette comes in overweight by like 40 pounds or something. Yeah, who like among that. us? You know what I mean? <laughs> Summer know, ends. Well, it, it, the start of training camp is where you start to raise a couple of eyebrows and be like, oh, let's see what this team um, is really made of. Let's see if Tom Brady and those guys can get it done. And then they open up the season with two wins. You're thinking, all right, we're looking good. Then they drop two to Green Bay and Kansas City, beat the Falcons, Three-game skids, Steelers, Panthers, Ravens, and they finally figured it out. So it's just about consistency. Well, with all that being said, they're still first in the NFC South. If they can just win that division, they can get into the playoffs. And Tom Brady in the playoffs is something special. So, uh, yeah, we didn't have expectations. So we're, uh, you know, six and three. Yeah. Let's get it. They're, they're panicking over there. Hey, a chance to go to seven and three, though, Dave, right before the bye. And uh, you hit seven and three before the bye. Not only have you beat Vegas's expectations for you, I think some local expectations. Do you like their chances against Tampa Bay overall? I do. I think they can play with anybody. And, you know, you, you look at, uh, like I said earlier, you look at the schedule and look, there's a reason why they're four and five. They lost to the Panthers. You know? yeah. So, I mean, Gross. Uh, look early on. And I think if you 
if you look at if you're an opponent and you're looking at the at the Seahawks and see how they're playing right now, and then go back and watch the first you know two, three, four games, yeah. it's a totally different team. Yeah. And I think Geno's gotten better and better. And then we talked about the defense, so it's a it's a trending upward team. It's not like what you put out there the first couple of weeks mm-hmm. is who you're going to be all year. To me, I think the and tell me what you guys think about this. The most important point, there's some recency bias going into this, is going to be finishing in this week. I think that they've done a great job of that. Um, they've scored early and they've scored often with 26.3 points per game for the offense. Um, the defense was solid in the offense in the second half last week. But like I said, this is a Tampa Bay team that got right back into it with 44 seconds left against the Rams who have underperformed, but still have a good defense. And to me, that's going to be the theme of this one is you cannot let up. Can't let them hang around. Can't let anybody in the NFL hang around. Right. You know, there's enough, like Dave said, you turn on the film and you see ballers across the board. Yep. Um, there's always a couple guys who are capable of breaking a game open or making a play that they're not supposed to make and keeping them in this so, but I, honestly, I expect this to be a tough game. I think with all the distractions going on, I mean, we're going to interview a bunch of players like a carousel, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like all the obligations and stuff. It's going to be which team stays the most focused. Who can get the young guys to not go see Germany and to stay in the hotel yeah. and get ready to play this ball game? Yeah. Yeah, well, by the way. That's going to go for you and me, too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Oh, we, oh, we, <laughs> Hotel. You guys might have the <laughs> you guys might have the toughest job of all. I mean, everyone's looking at this game. We're not talking about how these two are going to be putting in time too in Germany. Uh, all right, uh, we have some players coming up that we're going to talk to about this trip that they're making coming up in hour two. Before we get to that, though, we talked about the Bucks, the three of us. Let's hear what uh, someone who covers this team for a living has to say. Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times joins us next. Joining us now on the huddle for an opponent preview, it is Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. And Rick, I was overlooking, uh, or I was looking over uh, some of the Tampa Bay Bucks offensive stats this year, and I was absolutely shocked to see just how poorly they've done in the run, knowing some of the guys they have in that room. What's been some of the biggest problems there for this team? Uh, well, it's a great question. I mean, I think it's you start with the offensive line uh, and the losses that they had, you know, like second day of, training camp Ryan Jensen goes down their center which in addition to just you know being a, a veteran player that Tom Brady is uh very close to uh, it kind of sets the tone for that offensive line he has a little bit of snarl and so you know you go from him uh, to starting Robert Hainsey who uh is in his second year didn't play at all as a rookie he moves to center you have a rookie to start the season Luke uh, Gadecki. Uh, playing, you know, at a guard spot, Ali Marpet retired. That surprised him. So it's a rebuilt offensive line. And I think when you have a 45-year-old quarterback um, who who really is sort of getting rid of the ball even quicker than he ever has because he doesn't trust his protection, uh, and I think that's a big part of this whole sort of scenario, um, you know, they become very easy to defend. And you know, they're last in the league in rushing attempts. Obviously, they're not running it well, but they're not running it often. And so they find themselves, you know, in a lot of third down situations that they're not converting. So it, it's just kind of been hard to watch. They don't have that quick twitch downfield receiver. Um, no matter what you thought of Antonio Brown, they were hoping that Julio Jones would be that guy. He's been in and out of the lineup. So, you know, it doesn't take much to kind of break the whole chain there. And, um, I think a bit a big part of it is 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 just Tom and 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 who and what he's willing to trust. 
Hey, Rick, when you look at this team offensively, does it feel like Tom Brady has to carry the team, or do you feel like some of these weapons that you mentioned are eventually um, going to step up a bit more and help him out? Well, he's he's always kind of carried them, right? It's it's always been sort of a passing offense, but even though it's the same offense in in, in theory that Bruce Arians ran, um, they they clearly are, are not attacking the field vertically, and you know, and again, I think we kind of talked about some of that. I just I just don't think Tom is interested. Um, you know, in turning his back to the defense with play action and, and throwing it down the field, they get some of the fewest play action passes in the league, although they've been very, very successful when they do it. So, you know, he's, he is forced to throw the ball. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like if you told me Todd Bowles was going to take over this team, all the rhetoric we heard about complimentary football and sustaining drives. And then you look and, and Brady's going to eclipse the 719 attempts he had, which was a career high a year ago, that's that's just not the plan, right? It's not the plan for a 45-year-old guy who can still throw it, but he's in the pocket. Everybody knows where he's at. So it's just been a real struggle. And, um, you know, uh, they won the game the other night, but really nothing really changed except for Tom, you know, got him down there in a the two-minute drill a couple times. Hey, we uh, we love Kate Otten up here. Uh, obviously, a local guy coming out of Washington. It was really cool to see him get the go-ahead touchdown this past week. How's how's he been? How have you liked covering him? Well, he, he's a great person. You know, I mean, that's first and foremost. I was talking to his teammate, Coach Keith, who said it, he's literally he said the nicest guy he's ever met. Um, he's from a great family, as you guys know. Um, you know, coaching family, a football family. It was very hard to watch him go through what he did earlier this season, um, losing his mother, Sally, at age 50. Um, even though she had Parkinson's, it was an unexpected um, death. And, and he was, the whole family was very, you know, devastated by that. I think after the Thursday night game against the Ravens, they actually had a memorial service for her. So it's been that recent. And, you know, to see him grow as a player um, has been fun to watch. He's got, got some enormous shoes to fill when you're talking about the greatest tight end of all time, Rob Gronkowski, but he's really improved, um, you know, his route running as a receiver. He's got a lot of work to do as a blocker, but to watch him make, you know, the walk-off touchdown, so to speak, um, I think everybody in that organization uh, was so happy for him because of just, you know, how hard he works and the, the personal uh, tragedy that he's had to overcome. And, you know, he talked about his mom and how he thought about her, and he was glad she was there to see the game. And it was just kind of heartwarming to hear him say it like that. And so, um, Kate Otten's going to be a good player in this league for a long time, and he's, a, he's an even better person. Hey, you guys are four and five. You're first in the NFC South. When you look at the rest of the schedule, um, what are your expectations? I see some wonderful games on, on the list. Well, until they beat the Rams, uh, you could argue they're not going to win any of them because they had gone into Pittsburgh with a rookie quarterback in the secondary that was obliterated and lost to them. They went into Carolina who had traded away their best players um, and lost to them. So, you know, they, they just, they have to get some momentum and it starts with one win. It's a week to week league, you know, games have momentum. I think seasons have momentum. They've got to build on what they did on Sunday against the Rams and somehow get themselves to five and five um, with a win in Germany over Seattle, which will not be, easy to say the least. And if they're able to do that, um, they get a week off and get some bodies healed up and get some guys back that have been a little nicked up. And then you just hope the football 
you know, after Thanksgiving or whatever, they go to Cleveland. Um, they've got a, a trip out west, a couple of them to San Francisco, to Arizona. Uh, and then, of course, you know, all the NFC South teams, they get to play again Monday night here against New Orleans. So, you know, the NFC South, they're fortunate this year, and they're part of the mess. It's not a very good division. It's getting uh, beat up by everybody. And so it's possible that, you know, a sub-500 record may even win it, but they just got to play better and, and try to try to get some of that momentum. They did it in 2020, but this is a different team. And um, I think it's going to be a tough, tough chore for them. Seahawks are taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Germany this weekend. Right now we're talking with Tampa Bay Times reporter Rick Stroud. And, Rick, I was just listening to your podcast this morning, Sports Day Tampa Bay. And you um, – it was a, an episode from the uh, other day, from Sunday. And you guys were recapping the win. And it, you had a really interesting uh, story about Leonard Fournette being not too happy uh, kind of being the the early version that you guys saw up there in Tampa before Bruce Arians had like a sit down with him and and kind of had him get on the same page. Is there a kind of discord happening in the locker room? Are people still on the same page? What's the feeling out there? Well, I mean, look, their offensive coordinator is under fire, Byron Leftwich, um, simply because they, you know, you go from 30 points a game down to 17, 18, and you know he didn't get credit when they were scoring 30, but he's getting the blame now. And that's just the nature of the business. When you're not running the football, Leonard had 120, 126, 127 yards in the opener against Dallas. Um, but since then, he hasn't done much. So um, he sulked a little bit, but he'll uh, he'll bounce back. And, and they got to figure out how to use a rookie as well in Rashad White. Hey, Rick, we appreciate you coming on with us. Again, that was Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Coming up next, it's John Boyle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and right now, team reporter John Boyle. Um, John, all three of you are about to hop on a flight to Germany to watch this team go face the Bucks. It's way too early to check in on the health of this team, so I figured we could just continue a little bit of a reaction to last week and a look ahead to the Buccaneers. I'm going to start with uh, the Cardinals, even though I know we have a lot to talk about with Tom. Brady and, and this Bucks team, I continue to be impressed every week by this defensive, uh, by this defense's improvements. Yeah, I mean it's been pretty remarkable. You look at where they were at after that three-game stretch of Atlanta, New Orleans, yeah. and Detroit, where it it looked pretty bleak, and it wasn't like they just got to a point of being a mid-level defense. They've been by just about any measure one of the best defenses in the NFL. They've allowed 16, I think, 0.8 points a game in the last four games. And three of those touchdowns really weren't on the defense at all. There's one on special teams, the pick six, and then the turnover at the two-yard line. So, you know, you take those points away, and they're basically giving up less than two touchdowns a game. It's really impressive. Yeah, which would be easily top three in the league Mm -hmm. wild. Boy, were you like me when – Probably. Probably. Anyway. We, <laughs> Both receivers yes. yeah, coming receivers, out Receivers, All-American, all that good stuff, right? Uh, when Gino threw that pick, I was kind of – you know, I didn't want it to happen. I'm, like, kind of excited. Like, all right, man, yeah. this is this is the moment right here. Can he pull himself out of this hole right here? And then I was just impressed with what it, he did. It was so impressive because, I mean, you're right. He's been so good this year that there really has not been much adversity for him. It's like, yeah, the San Francisco game was just tough all around. That defense really kind of handed it to him that week. And then – their other losses were more about what the defense was doing. So that was the first time you're like, okay, Gina, what, you know, you messed this one up. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And he just promptly goes down. I think he's five for six the next drive with the touchdown. They were four for four on third down. The yeah. drive after that, he's getting done with his legs. 
obviously Kenneth Walker is doing everything too to help them finish. So it was just so impressive by Geno and really the entire offense, the way they just put their foot on the gas, three straight touchdown drives to put that game away. That was a bad start, man. I mean, they go three and out, two sacks, then the pick six. Then I think they got a penalty, and it was third and 12. Yeah, they had the third and 12, and then he just fires one into Tyler, who, look, I know there's been some criticism of Tyler this year. Maybe people don't think he's fighting for the extra yards, but he showed how tough he can be on that Mm -hmm. catch. I mean, he got just hammered, hung on, popped right up. Well, and then he went over to Collins and kind of was like, it's okay, man. That was- yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a dirty hit. That was one of those where I think the ref just threw a flag because it looked violent. It looked bad, yeah. But it wasn't, he didn't go headhunting there. He didn't put his helmet down. It was just a really violent collision. But it really just you know, looked like a clean hard hit to me. Yeah, I thought so too. And then and those annoy me anyways. But, <laughs> really? Uh, it's yeah. shocking. <laughs> but uh, Tyler had a play where he – did he talk about it where he slid down on third down? He did not, know. Um, he's it, made some references to it on social media, I think, kind of vague about yeah. people. Chris. I Look, there have been places here for sure where he's not going for every yard he can get. And I think there's some value in that when you're – a, an undersized guy, and B, a guy who's, what, eight years into his career. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd much rather have a healthy Tyler Lockett two years from now than a guy that got five more yards. That particular play, if you go back and really look at it, it's hard. That the camera angles are tough. I think his foot slipped on him. I don't think he was yeah. going down there. There was just chunks of turf flying everywhere on that field. A lot of guys falling all day. I think to me, I mean, he was getting low to kind of lunge for the first down, but I don't think he meant to go down where he did. Yeah, I, and I we couldn't really tell because we were like in the corner. Yeah, and I, and I couldn't tell. Me if too, he was yeah. Maybe underestimated or something. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing you don't see. You don't see the line out there. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is the grass down there. I mean, I walk down there. Everybody talks about going to a grass surface, but the grass is the natural grass is the least predictable, right? I mean, everywhere it's different. <laughs> yeah, and I mean. And that looked like that. There was lots of chunks. Good grass is great. When you get the grass field right, every player would rather be on it. But if it's sloppy like that, that can be a problem, too. And there was a lot of guys falling, a lot of big chunks of grass. I mean, I think it was Seattle Times had this picture of Geno Smith. They used in one of their photos, and he's sliding after a run. And there's just chunks of, like, I mean, it looks like pitching wedge divots flying in front of him. (laughs) So it's, uh, yeah, that that field, I mean, look, I, I totally understand the grass versus turf debate, but I don't know how much players love grass if it's like that. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really cool about this season is how many different guys we're talking about. Yeah. That's not just because Geno's spreading the ball around. It's because you have contributors on defense that are old and young, new and veterans. Wait, and... I want to hear who you're calling old so they can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I should say players who have been here. More experienced. But more experienced, but I mean. I think, and I know you guys would agree with me, that at any point I've left a game thinking, like, I haven't written about this guy before. And there's always guys you're going to talk about. We talk about Gino every week and DK and Tyler. But, I mean, Shelby Harris, all of a sudden I'm talking about way more than I used to. Um, Noah Fant I'm talking about again after this week. And, uh, you know, we were talking about Michael Jackson not too long ago, Joey Blunt on special teams. And it's just felt like there have been a lot more contributions from around the entire roster. Yeah, and I think that speaks to just the overall job they did of building this roster like not a ton of superstars necessarily, but just going in and bringing really good fits, good players. I, to me, I look at the defensive, if you count the outside linebackers, defensive front, defensive line, yeah. the way they rebuilt that. I mean, it's almost all new guys or guys who could have been free agents like Al Woods. So it's like you re-sign Al Woods, you bring in new Chenna, you draft Boye Mafe, you bring Bruce Irvin back, Quentin Jefferson, Shelby Harris. I mean, all those guys are stepping up and playing well. And that, that unit was pretty much had to be put together this off season. Yeah. He talks about 
divots with the wedge. Remember when I shot my 77? Bump. Curtis, are you listening right now? <laughs> What'd you do on the back nine, though? Wow. All right. Oh, oh, come on, Two boy. days in a row, you talk it's about a, shooting a 77. Know, the wedge, I get it, the divot okay. and all that. But, That's uh, the one reference you get but, today. You aren't allowed another one until you get back from Germany. I, I like Lyman, the, do not let him do I this. I like the Green Lake par 3 course, too. I tell you what. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. Yell over mini golf. Um, but but uh, um, there was a moment where we see Kyler Murray getting at D Hopkins again. Well, not again, but he's just having his attitude on the sideline. And then I look on the other sideline and it's right after a pick and everything's so calm and cool over there. And uh, it makes me just appreciate even more Pete Carroll's just approach to this whole thing. And people are, 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 are eating their words right now when they say, Oh, he's old. He doesn't understand the game and the players or whatnot. That moment right there made me appreciate Pete Carroll and the culture even more here in Seattle, looking at what, a diva quarterback looks like on the other sideline. Yeah, look, I mean, I think forever that's been sort of the unappreciated part of Pete Carroll is, first of all, I think the criticisms of him being this old out-of-touch guy, like he does know his X's and O's. He knows his football, mm-hmm. absolutely. But I think people tend to underestimate what the culture can do, just what a coach who, you know, has his bleep together, so to speak, that, you know, he, he's he got everything functioning well. He knows how to relate to players, get the best out of guys. And we've been seeing that all year. It's just, it's a really good winning culture he's yeah. built. Yeah, what do you think is going to be the sort of mantra going into this uh, this game? You know, going to Germany, staying focused, everything from, from Pete? Yeah, you know, it goes a lot back to one of Pete's things he says every week about, you know, treat every week the same. Every week's a championship opportunity of, look, he, he kind of said it was like a bowl game yesterday. He's like, you want guys to still appreciate, like, look, first game in Germany. This is exciting, all stuff. But you guys, you're not going to go get on a tour bus on Saturday and go see castles and stuff. Like, they still, first thing first, get the job done. But they do want them to appreciate a little bit the uniqueness of this experience. And then I think kind of the fun thing to add on to that is there, I think there's going to be a ton of Seahawks fans there. Yeah. yeah. Both people traveling make the trip and Seahawks have a lot of fans in Germany. So I think when players and staff and coaches ever are out and about in town, they're going to realize like, Oh, Hey, we got a lot of support here. And I think that's going to be really cool. To see. I'm hoping there's a Gino Chan at some point. I'm We did. I was yeah. wondering, I, was, I forgot to ask you that. I yeah. was going to say, we, we also heard, heard the Bru- when Bruce got the sack, you yeah. know, Bruce. <laughs> wow. God, in awesome. an opponent's stadium too. Yeah. But I, Dave, did you have one more question you wanted? Well, to... I was just going to be, you know, add on the fact that since Pete's got here, I remember, you know, back in 2010, 11, 12, you're waiting for the schedule to come out because you're like, oh, how many games do we have on the East Coast? And Pete has just entirely yeah. flipped that around. It's not a thing. And I always said, like, it, I don't think it bothered me, um, you know, but people will say, well, you didn't realize it because your body clock was off. And I'm like, hey, when I was on the East Coast, it was like, OK, it's 10 o'clock back here. But right here, it's kickoff time. I didn't think it was a big deal. But he's turned that whole thing around. Yeah. And and especially just winning on the road. I mean, we're 8-1-1. One, and one down, They travel well. Uh, playing the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, he's Pete's done a really good job of you go back. Even those really good, you know, teams in the 2000s with Mike Homer and, like, they won a ton of games, but they would struggle those 10 a.m. games. It was this dreaded thing, like you said, and the schedule came out. Now they're I, – I don't have it in front of you, but the record is incredible in those 10 a.m. kickoffs. Yeah. This is an even bigger challenge at 6.30 a.m. and – you know, Tampa Bay does have the advantage three hours wise body clock, but they're not going to let that be an excuse. I think they're going to just go out and 
kind of make this work. All right. He is John Boyle. The three of you are heading to Germany later this week to watch the Seahawks take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's see if they can enter the bye week seven and three. Uh, make sure you're reading John's work and coverage of this as well. Seahawks.com. Thanks, John. Thank you. Boyle. All right. Coming up next, another one of your favorite voices, the voice of the Seahawks. Steve Rabel joins us on the huddle. For just one second, I want to look back at the Seahawks win over the Cardinals. It's not often you get to sweep a divisional opponent during a season, and uh, Seattle being able to do it while shutting down the run game the first time and then keeping Hopkins out of it this time sure is impressive. Well, it really was. Uh, you know, I thought, I think we all believed that it was going to be an interesting matchup uh, with Hopkins and, uh, and Tariq Woolen. Uh, they, they generally would align uh, across from each other most of the time during the game. That's the way it happened. So I think Tariq got the best of it. Uh, the one time that, that Hopkins really made a play, I don't believe that uh, Tariq was covering him at the time for the touchdown. So uh, that said, the rest of the defense around Tariq uh, played, certainly played well enough to win that football game. And in the second half, when you really have to play well, as Pete always says, you know, you, you can't win it in the first, second, or third, but in the fourth, uh, you can. That's when they brought the pressure. They got the the predominant uh, number of sacks then uh, and and then of course the offense did what it had to do those three incredible long drives that ended up in scores that ended up winning the football game for them it was just a a great all-around win raise receiver to receiver Uh let's have a receiver talk here man the only one i can talk yeah was that a catch by rondell moore the one that uh kobe bryant forced the fumble and it was called back do you think that was a catch you know what? Um, I, I'm like so many people anymore. I don't even know what a catch is anymore, <laughs> to, be, to be frank with you. Uh, I, it, at first blush, it looked like it was. And then on the first replay that I saw, well, you know, he didn't exactly make a football move. I mean, he caught it. He barely started to turn, and it got punched out. Back in the day when you and I, well, back in the day when you played, when I played, we barely threw forward passes. But um, <laughs> back in the day, that definitely would have been a catch, and it would have been a fumble, and the Seahawks would have recovered, and uh, and Kobe Bryant would have had, what, his fifth punch out of the season already. Uh, but it, it didn't stand. I, I wish it had. Uh, but, you know, but listen, that's that's the way they're calling them these days. And, and as long as we don't have a, a Tom Brady and a tuck rule uh, call made against us this week, I'll, I'll be okay. <laughs> hey, uh, maybe uh, C-Rodge can find. We played uh, yesterday on our show the clip where you tried to speak German at the end. Of the... <laughs> so please, oh, yeah, please don't, don't do that again. Uh, anyway, no. uh, it, you know, and you mentioned this before uh, during the game, Raves, there was a stat about forced fumbles. And so that's two more. And I think they, they lead the league uh, with, uh, well, I guess the one didn't count obviously, but, um, but yeah, I mean, this is a, it's pretty amazing what they've been doing. That's a big part of what they do defensively. And you and I were kind of talking about that during the game. I don't remember being coached specifically on, you know, all the different techniques and everything to, to get the punch outs. But man, it's a, it's pretty amazing that, you know, you had Ryan Neal, uh, get Kyler Murray, who was carrying the ball like a loaf of bread. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool seeing that. And it's, it's different. It's really evolved over the years. It really has, and um, I think Peanut Tillman, defensive back for the Bears a number of years ago, was the one that really started to perfect the technique. But as Pete has often said, he said it's, all, it's very often about the second man in. 
In other words, mm-hmm. the first guy's got to get there and slow him down, wrap him up, get ready to tackle him. The second guy in, come in with the fist moving to punch the ball out. The incredible thing about Kobe Bryant is he does it all by himself. And that, that is something that's, that's you know, you, you have to practice that. You have to be good at it. He is. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that we always talk about, Dave, is, is, you know, we talk about takeaways. And we, you and I did in our pregame comments, that was one of, going to be one of the keys to the game is takeaways. And the Seahawks are high up on the list on fumble recoveries. And those things don't happen by themselves. Guys rarely go running along and just drop the football. Uh, it, it happens because they get hammered or that ball gets knocked out. And the Seahawks are as good, or right now, I think they're better than anybody in the league enforcing those fumbles. Hey, Raves, we were talking earlier uh, with John Boyle about some of our favorite things about the season. And I mentioned just really enjoying that after each game, it feels like there's a new guy I'm talking about. And I know that you have guys who have consistently performed over the course of the year, but it's been nice to see the depth and and youth on this team really get tested and get some shots here. Um, What for you has been one of your favorite stories or or things, elements of, of this season for Seattle? Well, it's it's obviously it's so hard to overlook the guys that are contributing, and there are so many of these young guys contributing, from Ken Walker to the two tackles, Abe and Charles Cross, and um, you know the new guys. Well, Kobe Parkinson is in his third season, but he seems like he hasn't played much until this season, mm-hmm. and he's really contributing now. Uh, the, the job he did the other day, blocking on that touchdown run, and then turning around and pushing his running back across the, the goal line for his second touchdown. I mean, that, that's all great stuff. Um, so, you know, those kinds of things you, you really kind of glom onto, and so does everybody else. And on the defensive side, when you've got, you know, guys like Tariq and, and Michael Jackson, I know is not a rookie, but he's a fairly young kid. Uh, Ryan Neal has been around for a little while, obviously. Um, Kobe Bryant. There's just so much to like. And, and when you look at this group, Boy Mafe is another one. When you look at this group, you just think, wow, they're all growing up together. You know, they're, they're all in this thing together now. And the older guys, the Al Woods and the Qs, Quentin Jefferson, Shelby Harris, they're, they're loving every second of it because they get to help teach these young guys and watch them, you know, grow and make big plays. And, um, and, and hopefully with the leadership of the old guys and the athleticism and the enthusiasm of the young guys, uh, that's a perfect mix to go a long ways uh, as this season continues on. Raise a few years back, Jared Goff caught a lot of flack because Sean McVay was coaching him up all the way until 15 seconds left on the play clock. And I admit, I was one of those guys talking a little talk. But <laughs> now we get word that Geno is doing it, and I'm like, don't talk about my quarterback. He can do that. Uh, <laughs> do you think it, it takes away from anything Geno's doing that he's using all of his resources like that? Well, it sure doesn't seem to at this point. I mean, first of all, it hasn't, he hasn't let, let the clock wind down uh, very far. He's able to get the play in um, and make those decisions at the line of scrimmage. Uh, oftentimes, you know, when we're calling the play, uh, I'm mentioning the fact that, you know, he starts out in the shotgun, stepping up to the line, looks like he might be changing the play, coordinating things with his lineman. Now he's stepping back. And, you know, probably more times than not, at the very least, he's adjusting the blocking scheme because of where they view the the force coming from, uh, if, in fact, it's going to be a a rush of some kind or a blitz. Um, I just think he's doing a great job. Uh, He's he's cognizant of the clock. Can you, Dave, can you remember, has has the clock wound down on him maybe more than once the entire 
season so far. Yeah. I can't remember that they've had a delay of game at all. Yeah, they had one the other day, at the, um, and I think that was um, that was right before they picked up that third and twelve on the third drive. Yeah, I think there was a delay of game penalty there where they had a couple sacks. But no, I mean typically, and I think I've seen him take a timeout a couple of times. But he has been, yeah, as far as his communication goes, and and all the decisions to to make those changes more often than not, he, it's something it's something positive. Yeah, I I think I think part of it too is. You know, he goes up there with an open mind. Uh, he knows what the play call is in the huddle. He walks up there and he looks to see what the defense is. And, and he, I think, has been so well-versed uh, by his offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, that they know if I get this, we're going to change to that. Or if we see this, be prepared to adjust to that. And uh, as Pete says, and every time I talk to him, which is twice a week now, uh, he's always saying, listen, Gino does it this way in practice. Why should we be surprised? He makes all the throws. He makes all the calls. We see it every day in practice. So come Sunday, it should not be a surprise at all. Hey, uh, Rabes, do you uh, see this as being a pretty even match? Do you favor Seattle in this one? I know that we're going to be a little biased just knowing more about the hometown team, but I really, really like the way Seattle matches up against Tampa. Well, I do too, Stace. Uh, you know, I'd have liked it. I don't know if I'd have liked it better had the had the Buccaneers lost to the Rams. Yeah. I actually, I wouldn't have. Um, but th- they, I think, from what I'm hearing, I've, I've watched a little NFL Network when you know I'm not glued to news, which is my tendency. Um, I, they, they, I think, are starting to feel kind of good about themselves offensively, and and I, you don't want that to happen. I want Tom Brady to be ticked off. I want him to be unhappy about his his protection, uh, about the young guys he's got as receivers. Unfortunately, I think all of his veteran guys are kind of all coming back now. Uh, And so he has those weapons back for himself on offense. And their defense is playing pretty good. I mean, Vita Vea, the the former Washington Husky, I mean, he almost single-handedly took apart the Rams up front the other day. He's leading. This guy is 350 pounds and he's leading the team in sacks. <laughs> I, I don't crazy. remember the last time that something like that happened. And so, six and a half, too, uh, which is a solid performance. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he's got three sacks and the rest right, of the team right. has nothing. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. And and so that tells you something, A, about his, his athleticism, but B, the big job that awaits the guys inside <laughs> for the Seahawks up front, you know, uh, led by the, the center, Austin Blythe, on, and on either side, Lewis, Jackson, Phil Haynes, when he's in there, those guys are going to have their hands full because that is a huge defensive front, and they, these guys are good at stopping the run. All right. He is the voice of the Seahawks. Joins us every week for the huddle, but you can hear him on the call in Germany when the Seahawks take on the Bucks alongside Dave Wyman. Thanks so much, Raves. Thanks, Raves. All right, guys. We'll talk to you from uh, Luxembourg. <laughs> See ya. Uh, all right, we are going to be joined by back-to-back player guests here, Austin Blythe coming on, as well as rookie wide receiver Dariq Young. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle. Now, is this the NFL's first game in Germany, I believe? First one. First one in Germany, and you guys are heading there. Do you guys plan on seeing lots of castles? Um, by the way, Dave <laughs> and Curtis, since I know you can hear me, Bump told me, I said, all right, but you got to try the pretzels when you're there. He said, I don't like pretzels. I'll rock with the pretzels. Who doesn't like pretzels? Well, I, I can tell you who I'll probably do does. It's like an offensive lineman, I would imagine. Yeah, Bump doesn't like pretzels. No pretzels here. Soft pretzels, hard pretzels, right? 
Soft, soft pretzels hard, are amazing. Don't matter. Austin Blythe joining us right now. Austin, what are your thoughts on giant soft pretzels? I, I don't know if it's my first uh, concession. But you're pro overall. Yeah. Yeah, that's a safe <laughs> assumption. Yes. I mean, you're going to find a lot of good ones in Germany. This guy, who's also going to be in Germany, not a fan. Pretzel oh. with some beer cheese? Yeah. Oh, do it. What? You got the beer part right. <laughs> so. Take out everything else. All right, bump what you got. Hey, man, um, the center position, it always amazes me because you got a lot of responsibility. And um, I see you as like the quarterback on that offensive line. How's the chemistry between you and Gino? I see you guys communicating and you looking back and talking to him. How's that been this year? It's been really good. I think Gino has got a really good command of the offense, so it's really kind of making my job easy. Um, as far as any of the protection stuff, like he's on it, uh, the run checks, he's on it. So really, uh, it's just more of a collaboration than one of us telling uh, what the other, telling the other what to do. Right. Hey, what's been uh, the the most difficult matchup so far? You've had some big guys in there. That Zach Allen, that kid plays really well. The kid with the uh, with the the Cardinals, but Giants had a lot of guys. Any anybody stand out that was particularly difficult? Yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately in the Giants game, I, I went out with that knee injury. Yeah. But, um, Looks like you're doing okay. Yeah, doing fine now, yeah, luckily. Uh, but Dexter Lawrence is a really big guy, really big guy that can move. He's strong, um, good good quickness. Um, so he was tough uh, when I was in there. And then just any of the bigger guys, being an undersized guy, I've got to really be on my uh, leverage and technique and, and my fundamentals. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to the Huddle Seahawks Center. Austin Blythe joining us right now. This team preparing to head to Germany to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, I got to say, I'm really excited, obviously, to see how you guys do. A chance to enter the bye week seven and three. What's the atmosphere like in this building right now? Yeah, we're really focusing on just this week. Um, kind of uh, tunnel vision, uh, if you will. Um, not trying to look too much at the big picture. We're just trying to get to one and all at the end of this week. I, um, when I was in high school, I asked my coach to play center one snap because I wanted to say I played How'd everything. How'd that go for you? I got sad on my butt, <laughs> right? But he let me do it. So uh, lots of respect uh, for guys who were in the trenches. When did you make that move? Have you always been an offensive lineman, or did you play a different position when you started playing ball? In grade school, uh, that's when I first started playing football. So seventh grade in Iowa, uh, I started out as a tight end. So. I was a foot taller than everybody else, um, way bigger than everybody else, so uh, I shouldn't have been playing tight end, but uh, that's where I was. I would have loved it if you were like, yeah, I was a slot receiver. (laughs) No, I probably probably would have wanted to at that age. Yeah, yeah. Were there weight requirements back then, or everyone just played? No, everyone just played, yeah. Oh, when you're little? Yeah, Yeah. you're like, give the ball to Austin. I think seventh grade, I was probably like six foot. Whoa. Two hundred. 200 pounds, something like that. I think, wow. I think on Pee Wee football, they would put like an X on that guy's helmet. Like, yeah. <laughs> carry the ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just running people over. Yeah. Uh, hey, so um, how are you guys handling this week? Like, has Pete talked a lot about, because it's, it's really cool. It's a cool experience. We're talking about it's the first time the NFL's played there, but you're going there to do a job. Is there going to be a little bit of, you know, planned sort of like sightseeing, or is it just pretty much all business? You know, I think I think everybody's got to understand, and I think we do, especially uh, the players. Uh, it is a business trip. We're going there to do a job, uh, and the week one and zero, right? Going into bye week one and zero, um, and overall <clears throat> seven and seven and three. But you know, it's it's a normal week. Um, at least the rhythm will be f- as far as practice goes. So we're gonna have some time Friday afternoon and uh, some time Saturday afternoon. So, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you and say that I I, I probably won't <clears throat> say that I won't go out and see some things just because. Yeah. You know, when when do we get to travel to Germany, right? right. Um, another country to see what they 
see what uh, what there is to see, you know. So uh, I think that's okay as long as you uh, keep the focus on the main thing, which is winning a ball game. I would imagine one of the more annoying things about being on the offensive line is so many questions have to do with other players on the team. But when you guys are at your best, it means everyone shines, right? Like when the offensive line is functioning well, playing like pro bowlers and looking great, it means that Ken Walker looks great. It means the receivers look great. It means Gino has time. Ken Walker, one of those guys who is just stellar to start so far. And he's really slippery. Have there been times when you've been blocking and you're like, wow, I didn't I didn't realize he even made it through there. Like <laughs> I thought that several play was times. over. Yeah, several times. And I think you said it. It's the beauty of this game in general uh, of football is all 11 guys have to be performing well yeah. in order to, to have success. And I think we're seeing that so far. Man, football is all about situations, right? And you guys were in a situation last week where I was extremely interested to see how you guys are going to respond. Gino throws a pick to Zayvon Collins, boom, back to the house. We haven't seen that all year. And you guys come out, you go 13 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Next next series, 13 plays, 81 yards, touchdown. What's that, what's that moment like? In the huddle, you're coming off the sideline after just you just threw that interception or Gino threw that interception. Was there any wavering? Was the talk different? Was the vibe different? What's that moment like in, in the huddle? Not at all. We had we had to stay the course. You know, at that point, I think there was, what, a whole quarter and a half left to go. And, uh, you know, we sat on the sideline, you know, we just got to keep, uh, keep chopping wood and um, the hits will come. So to have two drives like that, um, I think really showed us um, what we're capable of, and it was good to have some adversity like that to, to, to prove to ourselves as much as anybody that we can can overcome something like that. I'm a fan of linebacker play, and have you looked at Tampa yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love I'm those, familiar with those guys. Those two inside yeah. linebackers, man, Levante David and uh, Devin White, they're just making – they're all over the place. What, what kind of uh, – what have you seen from them? And it looks like neither of them are slowing down, that's for sure. Yeah, the Tampa Bay defense uh, as a whole really provides a good challenge for us. Um, the guys up front are excellent. Um, certainly those two guys you just mentioned at the linebacker spot are really, really good. And then their back end is just as good. So it's going to be a good challenge for us. We've got to be on it. Um, got to have a great week of preparation and go into the game uh, ready for a dogfight. Well, your week has already started, and we are keeping you from it. So we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for taking the time, Austin. We really appreciate it. You guys have had a stellar season. I know you're focused on just one week, but... I'm already fingers crossed for a win for this one. So good luck. Have fun in Germany. Thank See you. some sights. Yes, we Maybe will. have a pretzel for us and for bump reluctantly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, he is Seahawks center Austin Blythe, kind enough to join us on the huddle. We are going to be joined in just one minute by rookie wide receiver Derek Young. And this offense, I'm so glad we're talking to back-to-back offensive guys because the Seahawks offense right now is just blowing everyone out of the water. And they are going against another offense that excels in the past. So joining us right now is rookie wide receiver Derek Young. Uh, have you ever been to Germany? Are you excited? Yes, I'm excited. I've never been to Germany. Actually, I've never been out of the country, so I'm yeah. definitely looking forward That's to awesome. it. That's awesome. Man, it's going to be awesome, man. It's been, it's been fun seeing you get out there, get some reps on offense, but uh, I see you on special teams, too. I remember when I played special teams in the NFL, and they asked me to go tackle somebody. Like, I ain't tackled nobody since 12th grade. Uh, what's that transition been like for you, going playing receiver, getting snaps, and getting reps on special teams? Uh, luckily, you know, I had some experience uh, playing special teams in in college. So uh, tackling somebody that's not that's not new to me, nothing new to me. But uh, it's definitely been pretty cool, you know, finding my role in uh, this team on special teams and uh, just being taken advantage of it. T- tell us through the or talk us through the um, when you down the the punt inside the down on the three yard oh, line. Awesome. Nice nice play there. Oh yeah, the, that's something that we work. Uh, weekly uh during our special team drills so uh 
uh, it was pretty cool to, you know, get that on film actually like during the game. But, uh, you know, I was running down there and uh, the guy that was blocking me, he pushed me in my back and uh, kind of uh, knocked me off balance a little bit. And when I tried to turn around and stop to find the ball, I had slipped. And luckily, you know, uh, Mike Dickerson, he kicked a good ball and got a friendly roll for me. And yeah. uh, I just tapped it back to Penny Hart and he downed it. It was a phenomenal play. We're talking with wide receiver Derek Young right now. You guys are heading to Germany to take on Tampa Bay. It's your first year in the league. Is there ever still a moment where you think, oh, my God, that's DK Metcalf, or oh, my God, that's Tom Brady? Uh, Not necessarily with my teammates, but yeah. uh, definitely when I play. You're like, uh, don't give DK that credit. We'll look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely not with my teammates. You know, I kind of moved past that phase yeah. uh, after camp, but um. Definitely with other teams, like uh, we just played Buda Baker. You know, yeah. that's somebody that I've been watching since I've been in college. Uh, he's one of the best safeties in the league. So uh, I definitely have that feeling with Tom Brady, you know, a guy who's been playing since I was like in elementary school. So, oh, uh, God, don't say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I definitely look forward to competing against those guys. That's awesome. Man, I've seen you win some 12 personnel, maybe even some 13 when they're running the football. I, I think you played a little bit of tight end in, in college as well. Um how do you feel you fit into that? Are you in there because of your blocking skills? Obviously, you're a receiver, you can catch a football. But um, when to run the football successfully, us receivers on the outside got to get physical. How are you fitting in? Uh, yeah, I, like I said, just finding my role. Um, and uh, lately, I've been used as uh, like a blocking receiver, and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, Shane is scheming up some plays for me in, uh, in the blocking game, and I'm pretty sure that's going to open up to me getting the ball like – with passes because when they when teams see me run out there on the field they automatically right. think run so uh mm -hmm. i definitely think like later on that'll like open up more for me but um yeah um like you said uh tight end in uh college uh, it wasn't really tight end it was more so like a hybrid like receiver running back but uh, i'm used to blocking guys like nine techs or uh mike linebacker so uh just going in there and blocking safeties and corners you know not that hard for me so I don't have my phone today. I left it in the bathroom. And uh, <laughs> I have on there the hibachi restaurants for you okay. when we talked to you last week. So I'll get it to you later. Okay. I see you got your uh, Lenore Ryan oh, yeah. uh, little wristband there. I take a lot of pride. I mean, that's a there's a few guys, uh, Duggar, that we talked about. But um, you got to take a lot of pride being uh, from a small school like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, like I said, um I've said this in uh, previous interviews, but, like, I'm also, like, playing for smaller school guys as well, you mm -hmm. know, to keep, you know, if I'm doing good and, you know, my team, my former teammate Kyle Duggar, if he keeps doing good, I feel like the NFL is going to keep giving us opportunities. And I got a teammate, Josh, you know, that plays D-line, and he was a D3 guy and yeah. uh, ended up making the roster. So uh, we're all playing for, you know, the small school guys the, so we could keep getting opportunities. Well, and then you guys end up being the guys that when you watch the draft, they go, and then, of course, you got Derek Young, and then, of course, you got these guys, right? Yeah. You become the ones that they mention, and, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, something to set forward. Last question here. Um, you, you seem very, very chill. So my last question is really just a getting to know you question since this is our first time talking to you. Is that kind of who you are with your friends on this team? Very low key, very laid back. Yeah, I'm just laid back. Yeah, um, you seem like just I can get a little, calm. you know, goofy a little bit depending on, you know, what's <laughs> going on. But uh, for the most part, I'm just laid back, chill type of guy. Well, it's been fun for us to kind of get to know you even for just a couple minutes here. And uh, first trip out of the country and it's to Germany to take on. Tom Brady, nationally televised game. How about that? I mean, that's a pretty sweet first pretty trip. Cool. So have a safe trip. Have fun. 
And uh, we appreciate you taking the time, Dariq. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank right. you for having me. He is a rookie wide receiver, Dariq Young. Uh, next up on the huddle, you guys are going to hear from the defensive side of things. Clint Hurt uh, is going to be at the podium for a press conference. Don't go anywhere. Clint Hurt at the podium now. We'll take you there. Continuing to talk to Jordan as the offense gets lined up. No. The huddle call itself is not a long call. That, that's not the deal. It's now, it's when you get lined up, the huddle call's made, bang, everybody's out. Now see the formation, close the front, you know, set the, the, set the coverage, you know, if there's anything that changes off of motion and whatnot, there's things like that, variables within a call that could change it. But it's usually after the huddle call is made, that's where there's another, there's layers to the communication that has to go on and where these guys have made uh, huge strides. What, what changed Sunday after the first series? Uh, a lot of it was just adapting to see, like, we had an anticipation of what they would do. We actually got that. You know, we were anticipating what they were going to do, and it actually showed uh, with all the, you know, the bingo formations, four guys to a side. We anticipated them to have motion into the boundary and put trips into the boundary short side of the field and things like that. So they did exactly what we expected. Um, you know, just we could have played it better. You know, it was nothing that was a blown call or coverage or anything like that, but just played it better. And once we got to the sideline, say, listen, this is what we worked on. This is what you're getting. And then they went out and adjusted and played accordingly. Uh, so that was really good and felt it was great to see. When you look at Tampa, they are among the fewest rushing yards in the league. Why can you not overlook that part of their game on Sunday? Uh, you want to make teams one-dimensional. You know, um, yeah, they've had their struggles, but uh, Fournette is a very capable back. Um, they have some great players up front on the offensive line. Tristan Wirfs is, uh, might be the best right tackle in the game right now. Uh, so they, got, they still got really good players. Donovan Smith has played a lot of football. So you got to respect your opponent. You want to make teams one-dimensional, uh, obviously, if you can, and uh, you know, kind of make them play left-handed, so to speak, uh, so you can pin your ears back and go get after people. That's part of what has helped out the pass rush this year. You know, is now you're playing. I think was it the last four games we've had double-digit leagues leads. So now in the fourth quarter, you guys are able to go pin their ears back and go rush and get after the passer. But you have to earn the right stop and the run first in order to get that done. What the, What did you think of uh, uh, Joshua Juago? <laughs> You're okay. I, I struggle with that too. Just Josh. Uh, you know what? I was so excited about him getting this opportunity. He's somebody uh, going back to the springtime when we got him. I was excited about this cat. You know, I always look at so just little things, how a guy carries himself, his confidence. Right now, we had a little bit of a technical error with the press conference. Uh, Curtis is going to give me a thumbs up if we get that back. Working to uh, get Clint Hurt here, uh, who is at the podium. And, uh, you know, I got to say, you know, Curtis, while you're working on that, give me a thumbs up, too, if we can just wrap this, because we got some final thoughts, too, coming up as we prepare for the Seahawks to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Germany. And this defense has really been a big part of the reason that the Seattle Seahawks have managed to turn this around. Um, so we're going to uh, stick here. Nope, we're going to go to break. <laughs> Curtis and I communicating through sign language. All right. We're going to go <laughs> to doing break. a great job. <laughs> we're crushing it. Uh, when we get back, uh, we're going to wrap up some final thoughts and take a final look at some of the keys to a Seahawks win so that they can enter the bye week at seven and three. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle. One more game before they enter the bye week and they have a chance to enter at seven and three, but that's only if they get a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know a lot of people are looking at the Buccaneers and they're saying, ah, disappointing start to the season. 32nd ranked rushing off offense. Uh, they've had five losses this year, but do not overlook this team. They can come from behind, and more importantly, they can win in the final seconds, because that's exactly what they did against the Rams this past week. Bump, you cannot count them out.
Can't sleep on nobody. Well, isn't it funny, though, that we're talking about the Seahawks? And here, like, I would not have expected we'd be like, you just can't sleep on the Bucks. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you still got um, Thomas Brady over there. That's right. Still got Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette. We don't know what Godwin's situation is looking like. You got um, Ott over there who, was, uh, who seems like he's coming into his own. No, I mean, this is the NFL. If they show up and they put pads on, you got to be ready to go. There's only been what? How many teams have gone over during the uh, football season? Two? The but, Patriots and the Dolphins. Cause the, um, no, no, over. Zero over. wins. Oh, zero. Detroit, Detroit Lions. Lions. Uh, Cleveland. Cliff was on that. That team. Yeah. So, anyway, not too many teams lose every game. So, at some point, somebody's (laughs) going to get you. And then when you have one of the greatest or the greatest quarterback of all time, and you can't do it. And it's a different environment. You're in Germany. There's travel. There's media. There's distractions. It's not your typical game. And um, I think the Hawks do a good job at traveling to the east. So, let's see how they do traveling across the pond. And then, you know, we're talking about – the the ballers on offense look at defense man devin white i was talking earlier about making plays first of all i think he ran like a four three seven and he's an inside linebacker jeez what did i say it's pretty fast four three seven yeah (laughs) you're talking about yeah (laughs) bump was uh graded above calvin johnson and like some scouting report and uh Calvin Johnson ran like a 4-3, and you were like, well, how about that 4-4? Four, 4-4. Four? Four, four. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's worse. I think 1-100 is like a, a yard or something like Jeez. that. So yeah. He probably beat me by like five yards. <laughs> 40, but yeah, look at, I mean, I was talking earlier about making plays. Three sacks, seven tackles for loss, yeah. four passes broken up. He's got a forced fumble. Then you go to Levante David, who, Levante David, I mean, if you compare, he was drafted two slots after Bobby, and if you look Look at their their stats. He's got more forced fumbles. He's got more tackles for loss. He is really one of those guys that will just play all out. And, you know, he's got a sack and a bunch of tackles for loss. So, yeah, their defense is just, I mean, you got Shaq Barrett, you got Vita Vea, you've got Antoine Winfield Jr. I mean, this is this is a team that if they decide to start playing together, they can they can hurt you. Where are they going to test the offense? The where are the Bucks defense going to test the Seahawks offense in yeah, particular? I'd say you know probably trying to get after Geno and blitz him and give him a lot of different looks. I thought you know I thought that Geno handled it pretty well with uh, the Cardinals. Yeah, because you know, they'll get six, seven guys, eight guys up on the line. Three will drop out. So yeah, but I guess try to get after Geno. I think try to uh, you know. Uh, pick up those uh, guys that are in the flat, you know, with that naked boot they're running with the tight ends, you know, try to figure that out and what that's going to look like. But, you know, to me it looks like, hey, if you cover the shallow guy, which is often Colby Parkinson or Mm -hmm. Will Disley, there's a medium guy open. There's a deep guy open. So and the deep guy is typically uh, DK or or Tyler Lockett. So, yeah, I don't know how you defend this team right now. God, that's just crazy to be able to say. Isn't it? I know. Yeah, because it's the, the variety in this thing. We've seen the empty formation, two by two, three by one, 13 personnel, 10 personnel. We've seen motions. We've seen shifts. We've seen two tight ends in the backfield, two backs in the backfield. Like, whatever formation you can think of, we've probably seen it from the Seahawks, and they actually run plays out of it. So that's a lot to prepare for. Um, I, I want to see, again, what this run game looks like and how they implement these other backs because we've seen Travis Homer have a couple of big plays mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. Um, DJ Dallas a couple weeks ago had had two runs for I believe for like eight yards a piece or plus. Um, so there are still pieces to this offense that I think that Shane is starting to tap into. We just talked to Derek Young. Derek says, "Look, 
I'm out there to block, but Shane's Shane's going to open this thing up for me eventually. So I just like the way he builds off the offense, talking about Shane every single week. And uh, every week I see something new. Like last week I saw um, uh, they're in that 13 personnel. They start the three tight ends to the right. They motion Kobe to the left side. Then they motion him back to the right, and they run that toss. A couple weeks ago you run that toss. Kobe doubled down on that on that DN, boom, and Uncle Will's block him. Then he climbs up to the top. So you're talking so, about specific plays you're seeing. Yeah, specific you're like, I haven't plays. seen that one. So then last week what they do is they do the same thing, bam. Then Kobe, instead of blocking the end, he kind of fakes it. Because they're expecting it, and then he just releases right up to the second level. So little things like that's where I'm like, Shane's just messing with these guys now, man. He's putting it on film and saying, I'm going to show you what you want to see, and then going to show you something different. Are you yeah. noticing the same way, man? Yeah, and then like last week they spread them out. Um, they must have done this like five times where they took two wide receivers on one side and put them way out outside the numbers and just trying to, you know, catch them in the box and, get, yep. you know, hit a run inside. And I'd like. Arizona was keeping six in there, so it, that didn't exactly work out. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, they're trying to do things, you know, all the time that are kind of setting up the defense for something different. So and the other thing I'll say about Gino is, like, he carries the fakes out really well. Yeah. That really matters, man. It's really hard. I saw Derek Carr the other day in a, in a highlight where he kind of hid the ball like Boomer Sison used to do. Yep. That stuff works. I mean, it might look kind of hokey, but, like, the one time where Gino jumps in the air like it's a high snap yeah. and it's a direct snap to Ken Walker, you know, those are the kinds of things I think that um, the little things that really matter. So, um, yeah, Gino's doing doing those things. And then you're right. I mean, with Shane Waldron, he just continually – it's almost like he's like an artist. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to go with this color. Now I'm going to go with that color. And now I'm going to do this. And it just all is kind of a – it kind of flows. And I know you would expect an evolution of an offensive coordinator as he gains more experience, right? He's in his second year. But I think that you also uh, expected that it would be tough to have that kind of natural evolution when it feels like you're short a couple weapons. You no longer had Chris Carson. You lost your uh, veteran left tackle, right? You started the year after a couple weeks losing your starting running back, and yet – it feels like the offense has evolved even more from last year. They're certainly better in almost every single category with the exception of red zone scoring. But again, bump, you looked into that and that's more of like a it's deceiving. It's deceiving. It's Hella deceiving. deceiving. Yeah, um, they got 11 touchdowns scored from outside the red exactly, zone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So we have a couple minutes left. I feel like a lot of what we've done over the show has been looking at some of the keys. So instead I wanted to end with some fun, which is all three of us are going to choose a player on either team, but, let's be real Seahawks <laughs> that we are particularly excited to watch. This player is going to have to have a big game or maybe has an opportunity to have a big game. Um, or maybe you just love watching his game and, and you've started to really look for him when you're, when you're watching this broadcast or in the case of Dave calling it. So um, who wants to go first? I'll go first. It's, okay. It's Devin white. <laughs> That's one of your guys. Uh. Mara Dooley gave me a T-shirt that has Get Live 45 on it. It's a little cartoon of uh, this linebacker White. club, man. Yeah, I, I love watching him and Levante David play. And you saw Austin Blythe when I mentioned those guys. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm well aware who these mm -hmm. guys are. But, no, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll say Jordan Brooks just because, yeah. you know, I think he, he just keeps hammering away and making plays. And, you know, he had a chance for a tackle for a loss the other day. It ended up only being a two-yard gain. But I, I feel like those things, because, you know, I was mentioning earlier, like Devin White has seven tackles for loss. Well, he plays on the second level. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And I know they're blitzing him sometimes, but also a lot of times it's just that he's attacking, he's getting downhill. So, yeah, I think Jordan Brooks, it's going to start 
you know, the plays are going to start coming for him, and he's going to start to have these kind of stats. Bump, who you got? Easy pick. Can he do it three weeks in a row, two sacks? Jenna Nwosu, I think with this, the struggles this offensive line is having, it's going to be out there for him, and he's such in the zone. We're talking to our producer, Nasa Chobi, and he relayed to Nasa that he's balling right now, mm -hmm. and uh, that's a good feeling to uh, put it on film. And, and carry it with you everywhere that you go. So I'm looking at Nwosu and seeing what he does. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to look at two players, both of them rookies. I'm going to look at Tariq Woolen, who uh, didn't get the pick that he wanted, but yet again facing a top receiver. He's going to have a challenge and uh, potentially set a rookie record if he can do this. Also, Ken Walker, man, it's it's uh, going to be interesting to see if he can, for two weeks in a row, which would be the first time for him this season, get over 100 yards on the ground. He's got a chance against a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that has struggled at times against the run, but is no joke when they also are firing on all cylinders so i can't wait to watch this game you guys are going to be there we're going to wrap up the huddle because both of you have a flight to catch this week to head to germany where the seahawks are going to take on the tampa bay buccaneers if they win they got a chance to enter the bye week at seven and three uh but until then you guys have a safe trip have fun watching this game everyone have fun watching this game this has been the huddle